You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. Morning. Welcome to the World Football Program. The team is in the studio. I hope you're going to hear some weird noises over the next 30 seconds while they adjust everything. Come on, cuddle up, guys, if you need to cuddle up. Dave, are you there? Uh, I think so. Yes, good morning. <laughs> <laughs> good morning, all. I'm yep. merry festive to everybody. We've got uh, Dave Kindness, Sean Kelly, Peter Skill, and myself, Penny Hoth, Penelope Hoth. My legal name is Hoth, by the way. I just put the tanner in front of it because that's my maiden name that people in soccer know me as. But if you're ever writing to me legally, it's Penelope Hoth. Just thought I'd get that out there. Now, if you want to say anything about football or uh, land anything to our Facebook page, you can certainly do that on the World Football Program Facebook page. Share news, become a member and uh, go for it like uh, Peter Wright has this year. Yep, uh, yeah, he certainly has. Yep, and we appreciate that. It's not all about us sharing and, and giving news and telling you what's happening. It's about uh, you putting stuff on the platform and sharing with us. Um, I'm going to give out a mobile number too, which some of you already have, and you can certainly send in Christmas cheer and t- messages to us or to anyone else. So if you want to take this number down, feel free. 0408 921 Eight three two. All right, everyone's reaching into their pockets to turn their phones on the silent. Now I, I see what you're doing there, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning, everyone, and Merry Christmas from the team. Uh, the only person uh, who's not here today is Hugh. He's uh, working away doing his yep. new truck job, and uh, Jim. We'll say Jim's part of the team now because he's joined us pretty regularly this year. And uh, Lou Prospero. Merry Christmas to you, Lou. He's come in a couple of times and helped us out, which we really appreciate. We're always willing to expand our team. If you want to talk football, you can come in and do it here. 
As long as we can hear you, got a great voice. That's number one, of course, and you don't use anything above a G-rated. Isn't that right, Pete? I was going to say, I don't know about the great voice bit because you're keeping <laughs> me on, and every time I hear myself, I'm like, that's not what I sound like, surely. I was going to agree with you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Big, big thank you to everybody that listens in and posts to our platform. Thanks to Nick Templeman who keeps the website going, does all the design work on it and posts to the podcast uh, platform, which is fantastic and that goes everywhere. It's it's really awesome, really appreciate your help. We are a community show, so we do it because we love it and we survive on your memberships and grants and partnerships such as Futsal WA and Greg Farrell's main driver there comes to talk football with us, NPL, futsal, and about anything else we can chuck at him, really. Mm. I mean, that's a value as a guest here. Like, anything we can throw at you, you can take it and you can run with it. Um, thanks also to Gate and Fence Hardware WA and Oswest Fencing and Wrought on Gates and Automation platforms there. And uh, Pete and aleaguestats.com.au. That's right. Should no, 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 just dot sorry, com. Sorry, it's dot com. No, dot AU. I should mention that more often because... Um, the amazing amount of information you hear about football when Pete's in the studio is pretty much, you know, if you pull his brain apart, it's probably on the aleaguestats.com page plus a lot more. Um, but As yeah. used by professional sports commentators, by the way. I, I know, isn't that amazing? <laughs> that did, that did surprise me, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's a bit of kudos for you there, Pete. So Cheers. Keep up the great work. We've got a stack of guests today because it's our last show for a couple of weeks. We're going to have a break over Christmas. We've got Jamie Harnwell, Miranda Templeman, Neil Bennett, Greg Farrell, Robbie Thompson, Hayley Roach, Clara Harrell, and I'm going to get the correct pronunciation for her surname when she comes on, and Matt Stacey, all giving us their thoughts and reflections on 2023. So we'll get through a lot of guests this morning, ah, five minutes, maybe ten minutes each one, and we'll gas bag away on the in-betweens. Um, I hope I don't have to say much and it's everyone else saying whatever they need to say today. So there you go. Um, let's just rip through. Uh, Pete, 2023 for you. Sorry? 2023. The Matilda's World Cup. Well, sorry, the World Cup, the Women's World Cup hosted in Australia. Oh, like nothing nothing can top that. Yeah. 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 Sean? West Ham, massive in Europe. <laughs> <laughs> Dave? Uh, I'll go Matilda's as well. Yeah, and for me, it's been the massive uprising of women's football this year, culminating in a World Cup and it landing here in Perth. Yeah. It was amazing. Absolutely. And yeah. I believe that the game in February for the Matildas in Melbourne is a sellout already. Sellout, yes. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. In 15 minutes. Yeah. yeah. We might need amazing. to get you guys cuddling up a bit closer towards that microphone so people out there can hear. Um, well, <laughs> so... Uh, we'll have a break in a moment and we'll try and fix that. All right, so what we'll do is we'll, we will go to a break and then we'll come back and we shall chat. More football, of course. This is Penn, Sean, Dave and Pete in the studio. Stay with us. More football coming up very shortly. the glory and we're singing because this story must be told we sing glory come on glory glory boys give us a goal our game's a great tradition let the future now unfold when the glory marches on glory glory birth
strike lightning on their goats will have a feast. Our defense will take all the blows of any from the east. You'll hear the crowd a-roaring, and you'll know that we are one when the glory marches on. Glory, glory, birth, glory. Glory, glory, birth, glory. Glory, glory, birth, glory. Our boys are marching on. Glory, glory, birth, glory. Glory, glory, birth, glory. Glory, glory, birth, glory. Our boys are marching on. Glory, glory, birth, glory. Glory, glory, birth, glory. Glory, glory, birth, glory. Our boys are marching on. Our boys are marching on. Our boys are marching. Come on, glory, come on, glory, come on, glory, glory. Hi, I'm Peter Skeeler. Everyone seems to think I'm the ultimate wingman and full of helpful information. It's true, I am. My passion is trivia and Australian football statistics. Check out aleaguestats.com, my website where you can follow all the stats and results from the men's and women's A-leagues from the beginning of time, or at least 2005 and 2008 respectively. You're listening into the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle, and we appreciate you tuning in. Welcome back to the World Football Program. The studio is full with myself, Penny, Pete, Sean, and Dave in the studio. And our first guest for our last show of the year is Jamie Harmwell. Good morning, Jamie. Morning, Penny. CEO of Football West. It's been an absolutely amazingly busy year, Jamie. Reflect on it. <laughs> Look, it's been uh, yeah, incredible, as you see. Um, busy, um, frustrating at times, but uh, especially in the, the last six months of the year, just, just overwhelmingly positive. Um, so many great events, so many great things that, are, that occurred in the game and just really, really proud and uh, privileged to be a part of it all. Do you go into a break of some kind thinking, yep, ticked off all the boxes there? Oh, look, uh, certainly looking back at 23, we, we had our challenges early on. Um, and, you know, there's no doubt that um, there were frustrations across the club, there were frustrations across ourselves with the implementation of the, the new competition management system. But we're certainly really proud of the way the team dealt with those challenges, the way they communicated with the clubs and, and you know, Seems like it lasted forever, but it was only 10 weeks or so of uh, a real hurt before the um, everything really took shape. And, you know, from that point on, the, the year was, was extremely positive. Um, the opening of the, the Sam Care Football Centre, the, the World Cup, the Olympic qualifiers, um, just been, yeah, just been an incredible 12 months. The questions on a lot of people's lips are, Jamie, the Sam Kerr State Football Centre, how is it going to be best utilised in 2024? How are we going to get the most of the buck that the government have put into it? 
Well, it's, it's a it's a multi-purpose venue. That was the, the real challenge when designing and, and building it. Is that the the centre had to cater for virtually everybody from the, the Socceroos and Matildas um, right through to our community clubs and social players. So it's it's a it's an absolute mixture of uh, international hire, um, local club hire per story, utilisation, our in, uh, NCC and other football programmings with our new academy. Um, and then there's the five sides, the, the casual social player who just wants to turn up, have a kick around and, and go home again. So there's uh, there's no one answer to that. Um, it's, it's a multi-purpose venue, but um, we've got a, a great team there to, to really make the most of it and, and um, drive the growth, of those, not just over the next 12 months, but over the next five to 10 years. Yeah, Jamie, Sean, Kelly, there's been a, a number of uh, community events. There was a, a walking football festival. There was the um, corporate to finals you had there and also there was um, Football Futures with um, disabled sports. There's lots of days that have been functioning. I know that uh, Walking Football are planning a big event there in August of 2024 so is that the sort of thing you're looking to, to get more of happening? Yeah, that, that's certainly part of it. Um, you know, the community events have been challenging for us because to hold because we've never had a home. Um, you know, we've had to borrow grounds and then go to local councils and the like. So to be able to host those types of events uh, at our own centre um, and have that revenue re, you know, generated back through the game, reinvested back into the game for the for the betterment of all um, is, is really pleasing. And and uh, you know all the uh, our finals, our cup finals and top four finals would like to be held there as well. Just it gives people a, a fantastic boutique experience as well. So it's a wonderful centre, um, wonderful stadium. It's a beautiful pitch. Um, you know the the players were, were so so thoroughly uh, impressed by the standard of the field. Um, when they did come and play, that uh, you know, it's, it's it's a great boost for anyone um, to try and try and make sure they get into the cup final to play at the ground. Mm. And I know it's early days, but looking at it, I mean, you've got the, the one main stand with the office space for yourselves and football futures in there. I think probably at some point you're going to need to expand as the game grows. Is there in the background and not funded yet, but plans to expand, particularly your administration areas? Yeah, uh, as you know, we've been in, in discussions with, with Perth Glory as well. There's a nominal space for another building um, and it would be great to have all of football you know, co-located at the one centre. There's a you know, fair amount of water to go under the bridge before we get to that position. Um, but it's also embracing sort of the flexible working policy now through COVID. We learned that uh, a lot of people do work best from um, sort of the hybrid working arrangements from a couple of days at home to a couple of days in the office. So it's being able to support them and... Um, administration space is always at a premium uh, but certainly for, for some of our staff and certainly our technical staff we don't actually want them in the office we want them out at the clubs and on the grass uh, using their knowledge and, and passing that on to others so we'll um, we know we'll, that we'll grow and we'll continue to grow but uh, you know the, the centre will house us uh, comfortably for a little time yet um, but yeah always uh, looking to see what that, that next step can be across the centre including the development of the yeah uh, Jamie, in your in your role as um, CEO, obviously you have to be neutral on these subjects, but unofficially, what do you reckon the chances are of Sorrento bouncing back into the NPL this season? <laughs> oh, look, oh, I hope they do, obviously, as, a, as someone who grew up um, at the club and has a long history and association. Um, you know, I know that the amount of work that's gone in behind the scenes uh, to get the facilities to what they are now um, is obviously very disappointing for everybody involved, as it was for for Coburn City yep. as well to be relegated. I know Heidi Lazara did a, a huge amount of work for that club and, um, you know, again, another club that's steeped in history and you'd love to see um, come back up as well. So it's going to be a 
well, I mean, the NPL, the state leagues, you know, both wanted to. Um, the women's NPL as well. I know uh, there's a few teams trying to buy and, and knock Red Star off the, the title. I think we've got some, some really cracking competitions coming up for next season. Excellent. I have a question for you before you go. Um, you said that the State Football Centre is multi, multi-use facility. Um, does that mean that there could be other users occupy the, sp- the, like the building space or just using the grounds? Uh, more utilising the grounds. Uh, there, there's obviously we've got function room, um, and we've had some inquiries already from from uh, different people about utilising that who are not necessarily involved in the game. Um, so you know, it, there's a lot of different opportunities. Our strength and conditioning areas. We are speaking with a, a physiotherapy provider um, to be based out of the centre as well. So you know, we have to be as um, as commercially savvy as possible to make sure we we get the most of, as we possibly can out of the centre, but. We also need to remind ourselves that, you know, it is a football centre. That's the reason why it was built. Um, so whilst we will have other use and other things going on, we need to make sure that, you know, football uh, remains as the, the, the sole, not the sole user, the primary user, I suppose, of the site. Um, and then it's everything done for the benefit of, of our game um, and not necessarily for others. I'd like to see someone like the Football Hall of Fame West Australia deck out the hall so that everyone who's been recognised in the football community can walk up the stairs and maybe see a nice timeline up the stairs and in the events area see some faces of people that contribute to football over time. Do you reckon that might be possible at some stage, Jamie? Look, I really like the idea of something. I've seen some. It's more the you know sort of the digital stuff. Um, we've got a fantastic, great screen when when we enter the venue. There's screens across the venue, of, you know, because then you're able to tailor that information, I suppose, to to what um, the event is, if it's a, a cup final between Perth and Delhi Macedonia for instance, you might be able to feature some of the, the historic people from that and, and, and you know, the same across amateurs and the like as well, so um, that's something that, uh, yeah, we're keen to sort of explore further, we also do have the uh, the artwork um, in the middle of the, the state, uh, Sam Kerr Football Centre plot um, that does pay tribute to um, some of our past Socceroos, Matildas, but also a, a really good history of the game and that was written up through um, through Mel Moffat and Richard Crider, who spent some great time, yeah. uh, and would encourage people if they haven't seen seen those pieces, just uh, down towards the uh, the bottom of the centre where the cafe is, then please do and, and go and take a look back at the, that recognition of history of the game. Go on, Dave, jump in. Okay, uh, Jamie, Dave, kindness here, uh, just on a technical matter that's been a thorn in my side for a long, long time. I'm now led to believe that the uh, players are going to be signed before the night series starts. Is that correct? Uh, I believe so, Dave. It's uh, with the, the changing of our competitions from amateur to, to professional with um, players, formal players starting to sign professional player contracts. Um, there's there's registration windows that that can only occur in. Uh, we're somewhat beholden to Football Australia and the A-League as to when those windows um, can be because they need to be the same for the A-League as they are for, for our competitions. So... That's um, look. People are uh, viewing the series competitions more and more as a as a fully fledged competition, rather than perhaps when I was playing or even coaching. It was a, it was a pre season. You know, it's a bit of a hit out, and players would test a few clubs and see what they like before moving on. So, you know, it's, it's a change. It's one that was unfortunately inevitable, uh, but will hopefully benefit the game uh, down the future, and hopefully benefit the clubs. I, I think it's a, a good idea. The, you know, the team you put out for the first night series. And the team you put out for the start of the league would totally change, you know. It's really just a ridiculous situation as far as I'm concerned. Mm. Jamie, um, 
I don't comment on that because we'll <laughs> go into a completely new conversation. <laughs> I think we got more out of you than we expected today. <laughs> Look, um, thanks so much for um, being available to chat to us during the year. Really appreciate that. And uh, thanks to um, the team at Football West for administrating the game this year and putting on some um, amazing activities at the New State Football Centre. Well done, Jamie. Yeah, well done. Thanks very much, appreciate it. Yeah, thanks very much for all you do, guys, as well, for, for promoting the game week in, week out. It's, it's greatly appreciated. Loving it. We'll keep doing it if you keep doing it, Jamie. <laughs> Thank you. See you, guys. See ya. Yeah. That was uh, Jamie Harmel, who is the CEO of Football West. Um, I was looking at some historic pictures of uh, Jamie playing in the NSL for Perth Glory and thinking of the, the trim, dapper young man. <laughs> Uh, then and uh, actually there was a few fingers being pointed when he was on the park because he used to have a little bit of a go at some referees but uh, I was thinking of that man and this man here and how far he's come in his football journey it's mm. incredible mm. Yeah. over many decades I remember him having a go at a teammate as well <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's a game of passion I don't mind right, the yeah. passion exactly, leading yeah. out on the ground <laughs> and he's been in the in the the limelight and in the fire of it all in the last couple of years. Yeah. You, know? yeah, you guys keep talking and I'll get Miranda on the he's, line, OK? He's done extremely well, in fact. Oh, look, I think the whole team have done extremely well. I think um, Perry Alati has done a massive amount of work in the background and needs to take some credit for what has been done in compliance. I think the professionalisation of the State League and the NPL has been brilliant. Oh, I'd, I'd like to see us progress to the amateurs being recognised as a non-payment league because, yeah. as you know full well, Dave, there are teams out or clubs out there that are quite happy to shell out um, more dollars than they should. Yep. Um, and, you know, really the investment should be back into those amateur clubs. And if you're playing for an amateur club, you're playing literally for the love of the game. Yep. <laughs> um, and then the, the pro leagues, I mean, no one's making a living out of it at state league or um, NPL level. But the, the more professionalised that becomes, the clearer it becomes. And yep. I think that it, at some point we'll, we'll be at on par with the Eastern States or at least approaching that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, this last season proved that exactly. And it just become... Well, the other thing, what it did prove, and, and I suppose one of my low points for this year was ha what happened to one of the state league clubs who were found to be breaching um, their registrations and the demise of that club, which is not a good thing for the game, but it is a good thing for the game because it showed the thing or two about how we should be doing our business. Exactly. And, and every now and again, you do have to sacrifice one. Yep, absolutely. We've got Miranda Templeman on the line, a young Matilda goalkeeper and Melbourne Victory goalkeeper and mm. also um, former World Football team member. Yeah. Or should we say Former. still? still yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, but still. you've got to be in the studio at some stage to be a team member, really? Yeah. I mean, yeah, well, like, we could debate that a bit. Hi, Miranda, how are you going? <laughs> Morning, guys, how are you all? <laughs> Good, thanks. We'll have to get you back in the studio at some point when you make one of your flying visits when you're not contracted to all this stuff <laughs> that goes around Melbourne Victory and being an A-League player these days. A hundred percent. I'd love to come back. Mm. So your life is a little bit different now, living over in Melbourne at one of the most recognised clubs in Australia. What's it look like for Miranda Templeman these days? Yeah, it's great. I'm really loving my time at, at Victory. We've um, obviously got a big day today. It's double derby day, double mm -hmm. derby Saturday. So quite excited about that. But yeah, very much enjoying my time over. And as you say, one of the biggest clubs, if not the biggest club in the country. So... Um, yeah, definitely spoiled. 
And what's it like living the dream? Obviously, you know, we, we all, as we grow up, dream of being professional footballers, but there you are, you've made it now. You are a full-time professional foot, football player. Yeah, well, I don't know if I'd say I've made it yet. I obviously um, still have a lot further in my career that I want to go, a lot of goals and aspirations still to achieve, but um, I'm definitely on the journey and just trying to enjoy every part of it. I mean, uh, it's obviously... The dream part of it is you get to play and you're involved in these these big days, the events such as today. And um, but there's also you know the hard times. There's training. There's long days. There's you know working other jobs, still studying as a female footballer. It's, it's entering that professional era, but um, still kind of on its way. So it can be difficult at times, but definitely soaking it up and loving every moment. And if you play FIFA, do you ever select yourself as the goalkeeper? <laughs> <laughs> I wish, I wish. I'm waiting for the day that I uh, get on there. I'll probably show it off a bit. But <laughs> That's so funny. Miranda, I have a question. When you say double derby day, uh, is it derby or derby? How do you say? Western Australians say derby. Okay, sorry. The rest of the world says derby. The rest of the world is wrong. <laughs> yep, okay. So does that bring the male and the female sides of the game together on one day where you appreciate and recognise each other, have a team lunch together, or is there a connect? Yeah, well, um, this week, obviously, so we play at 5 and play at 7.45. It's a Melbourne City home game, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had another doubleheader last week where we had the chairman's lunch afterwards, or chairman's dinner, I should say, um, and that was quite good. You know, um, we got to watch the men's game and... Uh, a lot of the staff members and some of the men's players that weren't in the squad were up there, and that was a really nice event. So, unfortunately, it's a city home game this week, so we won't get the privilege, but it's always nice. You see some of the men in the tunnel when they first get in, and they're just taking a peek in on our game, and we'll probably stay after and watch their game, and hopefully we can have a, a six-point weekend. It's a long nice. day, isn't it, when you say that, the, that 5 o'clock, 7.45 or whatever it was, I mean... You, by the time you get there and by the time they leave their game, it's, uh, if you stay and watch each other, that's you know, a big chunk of a day. But, you know, professional athletes, it's kind of something that you... It's what they do. Yeah, it's yeah, what yeah. what they do. And it's kind of what you expect too, really, because if you want to get that connect there, which is about bringing the club together and making sure you support each other and get the exposure and branding of the football game out there and develop all the relationships that get bums on seats, really. I mean, that, that's what you want in the end. You want a brand out there and, and bums on seats to watch you. Yeah, massively, and I think today will be really exciting for that. Hopefully we'll get a bit of a crowd out at Amy Park. I know it's a city home game, but the Victory fans always always outnumber. They're probably one of the best in the in the league, if not the best. So uh, we're very lucky to have all those supporters out there. Now, before we let you go, it is uh, the end of 2023. Well, just about. There's a few more days left in it. But uh, how do you reflect on 2023? Oh, I've loved it. Absolutely. I think World Cup has to be the highlight for me. Um, getting to see some players that I've played and trained with and some players that I've aspired to um, up to as a kid um, on the park right in front of me has is, is been amazing. And it's obviously done really big things for the women's game. And I'm excited to see what more comes out of it. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that we have seen that there's more to come. And uh, it Absolutely. might be next year, it might be the next World Cup, but there's more to come. It's, it's really exciting to see that there's potential there. We don't know what it's going to be. Yeah, it's very exciting times. So 
keep on the pulse and yeah, see what happens. Absolutely, keep up the good work on and off the park and. Uh, Good luck with your game, but um, don't progress too far up the ladder. Perth Glory is sitting pretty. We like a little bit of a booth, all right? <laughs> yeah, it was a big game uh, with um, results went our way yesterday. So yeah. I think for both the, the men's and the women's, if we can both get wins today, we'll both be on top of the table. So, yeah, mm, get true. what you love to see, or at least what I love to see. What's, sorry, what's the points at the moment? Uh, in fact, it's whoever wins in the derby will go top of the table. We'll go if, top, if, it, yeah. if it's a draw, City will jump the glory. Okay. Yeah. Whew, tight. So whatever happens, Glory's <laughs> not going to be top by the end of the week. End. Have an awesomely big lunch and slow yourself down. <laughs> 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 Thanks, Miranda. Really appreciate uh, your time today and have a merry and safe Christmas. Thanks, guys. You too. Thanks, Miranda. See ya. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye. That was Miranda Templeman, Melbourne Victory goalkeeper. Just, just out of interest with the boost, to women's football from the Women's World Cup. The A-League women's crowds have, on average, doubled this season. They've gone from, I mean, admittedly a small base, but last season it was 1,300. Now they're up to 2,500 roughly per game. Yeah. Uh, the A-League men's this season is down on the previous season, which is disappointing. My, my comment on that is when they <laughs> sent out all the free tickets for under 16, 16 and under, mm. um, and they got snapped up, yeah. uh, my thought on that was, hmm, okay, so it only took the free tickets to boost the numbers, but then on the other side of that is, well, okay, they got taken up because the previous seasons they haven't always been taken up. That's right. So they've been snapped up and families have come along yeah. to, you know, obviously you can't drive yourself there when you're 16, you can bus it, but <laughs> you, know, you have to generally bring a family member, which has just boosted the numbers all around the league. Yeah, yeah. It's been great. Yep, um, I think the average with Glory now is somewhere between 1,000 and 1,500 for the women anyway. Yeah, that, and yeah. so, yeah, the Glory uh, women average is up as well, but I haven't got that off the top of my head. Yep. I think I what's, would. What's the average for the A-League men? Do you know? A-League men this season is, um, like I say, slightly down on last season as he stalls to get the page up, uh, uh, 7,400 at the moment, yeah, whereas okay. last season it was 7,800. So... Yeah, slightly down, uh, which is disappointing because obviously for the last three years we had COVID and all the numbers went down, as you'd expect. And, and we are playing a massive in your park for some of the season. Yeah. And, and, so, was, and so yeah. like last season, the numbers, were, like the league-wise, the average was going up again and we thought, okay, we're going to get back to that 10,000. But yeah, now it's for the men's, it's dropped off this season. A little bit of buzz about a yeah. new owner. They do need a couple of wins just to... Try and boost the numbers a little bit, you know? Yeah. yeah. It need, wouldn't make a difference. You need a few things to help boost yeah. the numbers, I think, Dave. Yeah. Uh, the ownership Sean? woes are, are, are going and have caused us problems. Yeah. Um, and without any money in the kit, it's going to be very difficult for Stadge to improve his squad. Yeah. Um, you know, Bazanic. Except is by sheer coaching genius, Sean. Oh, no, look, he's doing a, a marvellous job with the, the team that he has. He's got basically last year's team mm -hmm. with a couple of free transfers in. And um, a lot of those stars exited last year have gone. So, yeah, with what he's got, he's doing a, a brilliant job. You can see the transition in the way they're playing. You can see the change in playing style. Um, it, and you feel that they, they're on the cusp of, of getting a win under their belt. Mm -hmm. Well, they were so close last weekend. Yeah. Oh, look, it was just frustrating for, from a defender's point of view. Um, you know, you, you you sacrifice yourself, you throw your body or something like that and just stop it happening. But, um, but those those last-minute goals are the killers, really, aren't they? And we, we can do it. I'm sure we can. 
So yeah. the yeah, and look, the last four times we've played Newcastle, it's been a two-all draw um, with a goal scored in injury time, either by the Glory or by Newcastle. So yeah, um, yeah. But I think you know, you look at it half time. He brought Amini on, and I know people mm. haven't really appreciated Amini and what he does, but he he does stiffen that spine, and yeah. he, there's, there's things he does off the ball that you know, if you're not on the ground, you don't see it on the TV, yeah. and he's just his presence is is an influence around that team, and I think he's. Um, Underrated, underrated by some people. Yeah. Yep. Um, I don't know what's happening with Aaron McEnough. I know he's had a long-term injury, but he was back and then he's not in the squad. I don't know whether he's a free transfer on the cusp of, of happening, but I, I'd hate to see him go. I think he's got um, a lot to offer us, and particularly yeah. in our current climate. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to take, take another direction, but I might take that up with Neil, actually. I, just, I did want to talk about the... Uh, Football Hall of Fame, but um, actually stuff it. I, I will yeah. now because um, uh, you're with Ashfield, yes. so Ashfield are hosting Football Hall of Fame Quite AGM. Happy to offer our facility for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah good on you for for doing that. Um, it's on November 30, which is an interesting time of year. Um, 6:30 it kicks off. Um, contact Football Hall of Fame if you um, want to come along. Um, November 30 is in. Almost Sorry, year, December 30. Okay. December 30. So Sorry. It's the second last day of the <laughs> year. Yep. I yep. know. Yeah. Oh. Okay. So we can attend by Zoom. Just contact me or Football Hall of Fame. But the thing is, we, we should all be interested in the history of the game and, and recognising the, the people that have built us to where we are. We talk about the growth in, in the women's game, but you look at where it was when you were a, a kid playing and where it is now, it's leaps and bounds ahead. Yep. But it's those those people that were playing in <coughs> teams like Ascot and what have you years ago that, that have gone, um, that built the foundation that the women's game is on now. Yeah, it's interesting that Jamie said that there's a piece of history at the State Football Centre. I must admit, I haven't seen that. I'll, I have to keep my eye open next time I go towards the kiosk, I yeah, think he said. and let Brett know. He'll pocket it and put it where it should be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's on a screen. Okay, yeah. radio, got it. Okay, yeah. I did like... I quite like the idea of the screen that he brought up there. Mm. Um, and yeah, I'm happy for any history to be anywhere, as long as we keep recognising it and bringing it up and talking yeah. about it. Because it, it re-engages and connects the whole part of the community. And the other thing is it ties in, if, with the electronic one, you can tie it into the game. So if you've got Inglewood versus um, Perth uh, SC, you can have the history of both clubs up there and, mm. and rolling through. Um, and then if Red Star are there, you can go through their history, including the clubs that are now amalgamated to make that. Yeah, absolutely, the, yeah. follow the pathway. And if you do want to be um, like help out with that that kind of thing, the Football Hall of Fame um, AGM is coming up December thirty, and it is a Zoom meeting. But there is that uh, hosting platform provided by Ashfield, which we we thank the mm. the club for that. Um, but there are positions on the committee available. So if you want to be a part of it and help, you know, organise uh, help us organise the induction events, of which we haven't had one for a while, mm. um, but um, it was definitely due one because a lot of people out in the community that are, that are ready to be inducted that have retired from football and so forth yeah yeah no uh, former um, internationals that haven't been recognized um, there's lots of people out there that we need to be having a look at Uh, and again um, it's not just the the male footballers it's it's women footballers it's um, media it's referees there's there's a whole raft of people administrators that all need to be recognized across the board yep yep and and what that does is when you have an induction event or just an event where the membership are there is it brings them together so that they can keep the memories alive keep the connect and we can see that everyone's safe and well and and we can talk about everything football yep and dave can go there and see how many people are gone (laughs) 
<laughs> how many friends aren't turning up <laughs> we're going to go to a break and come back and chat more football of course this is uh, Penn, Pete, Dave and Sean in the studio hey hey it's Futsal WA the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia with continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors the fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at www.futsalwa.org.au. Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all gate and fence hardware components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman, welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 92586822 or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au. Station sponsor. Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron is a fourth generation family business. Bring us about your custom gate and fence projects. We can manufacture, install or automate your gates, offer electronic security or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron. Call us on 9258-6822. Station sponsor. Welcome back to the World Football Program. You have Penn, Pete, Sean and Dave in the studio. It's our last program of the year. We're talking 2023 with as many guests as we can fit into the last two hours of our show for the year. We'll be back in two weeks, by the way. So back in January, keep in touch on the World Football Program page. Our guest right now is Neil Bennett, Perth Red Star and Beyond 90 writer. Good morning, Neil. Morning, Penny. How are you? I'm good. How do you like to be titled these days? Well, that's a good question. Um, I think just um, football writer is probably the easiest thing. Um, if people hear, hear the word Perth Red Star, I think I'm talking for Perth Red Star. I'm definitely not. Um, just talking on on my own behalf. But yeah, I, I do. Uh, I still I'm still involved with Perth Red Star, but most definitely talking uh, on my own behalf today. Yeah, good. You're certainly getting out and about in the football community and um, establishing a path in your own right uh, as a writer, which is great because, um, you know, the more people we have in that space talking up football, the better. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that was evidenced by um, the coverage that occurred during the um, during the Matildas visit. Um, I was fortunate enough to get accreditation to work there and uh, the press box was pretty full and... Um, such a, a welcome change from even four or five years ago when you'd only get a handful of people uh, going along to the games. Now it's uh, the full the full gamut of mainstream media, Channel 7, Channel 9, Channel 10, ABC, they're all there, the West. Uh, the coverage was fantastic. So, yeah, the more people that get along and uh, write about the game, the better it is, I think. Yeah, there were some new faces in the media there too, which I really liked. P- people that I didn't expect from within my club and other clubs, and uh, I like that, like emerging people into this space. And whether it's because of women's football or the World Cup landing in Perth or Australia, 
I don't know, but I just thought that was pretty fantastic. That, like I said, the more people that are talking about football, the better. And we talked about what 2023 meant um, to my studio team first up, and I think um, more than 50% of us mentioned the Matildas and the Women's World Cup. It wasn't about the Socceroos um, doing anything or the men Perth glory and how they'd been going or not going, whatever. And I think when you look at the, the Matildas, a lot of that was media coverage driven and, you know, obviously very marketable group of people, um, always affable and, you know, and good in front of cameras and, and just the whole vibe around that team was very, very marketable. Yes, and I spoke to Anno Dong and I, I can't remember if we mentioned this on the radio when she came and joined us just between the World Cup and the Olympic qualifiers, I think, in the studio. And uh, I said, you know, what about the, the ramp up for the media? And she said, this is, the, this is Australia. We can't do it too long. People just won't get on board. So th- mm. that it was timed to, you know, a month or so before rather than six months or seven months before. It was timed so that people could get on board and they went bang, 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 bang. So it was kind of knowing the Australian community and how they think about sport and how they react to things. Yeah, it's like a flash mob, really, isn't it? Yeah. Just came, came up. But, but, but it was perfect, really. It was just saturation for such a short time yeah. that people were left wanting more, and I think that's that's brilliant marketing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was. What's your thoughts on that, Neil? Well, I think that's true. Um, I mean, there was a total lack of any push for the, for the um, World Cup, even three months out, and it wasn't really until the trophy arrived that things started to ramp up, and I think that was in July. Um, there was a tour around the country and the, the actual World Cup trophy came to Perth and things really started picking up then and you started to see a lot of coverage. But, yeah, I think um, obviously the, the highlight of 2023 has to be the World Cup. Um, it was a phenomenal event. Um, and I think the great thing about it was that when you went to the, to the games, the, the crowds weren't just um, the, the normal people that you see at uh, women's games. It was all of the the people who probably have never been to a football game um, and also the sheer uh, sort of diversity of crowds as well and I think one of the standout games for me in terms of atmosphere was the Columbia game against Absolutely. Morocco. Yes. Um, that was just amazing to see the Colombian fans singing and dancing all the way through the game and uh, the colour that they brought to the stadium and the Moroccans as well and then everybody hanging on right towards the very, very end even after the final whistle just waiting to see what the Germans had done because that meant that uh, the Moroccans could qualify if the Germans lost, and they did. And then the scenes on the pitch, everybody ran around, and uh, it was bedlam, absolute pandemonium. But fantastic! I, I watched the whole game with a smile on my face, and uh, it really brought the love of the football that I've I've grown up with back to me because I've become a little bit jaundiced about it with all of the sort of money stuff that goes on all the time. But the sheer to see the sheer unbridled emotion uh, from all of the players was brilliant. And then another highlight for me was being in the mix zone. Uh, just after the Ireland and Canada game and listening to Katie McCabe talking to the Irish journalists, even though they'd lost and they were out of the World Cup, she was just buzzing, uh, saying this is just the beginning. She was absolutely exhausted. The, the, you know, she put so much effort into that game and totally exhausted, but still was riling up or geeing up the, the Irish journalists to the point where they were cheering and clapping. And again, it just showed that the emotions that this game can bring to people. Yeah. And what it means to the people, and I think when you look at that World Cup, whilst there was some very organised teams, obviously USA leading the way with the full American production, Germans very technical, but there were also teams there that turned up in second-hand kit and, mm. and you know, players that are 
basically paying their own way still. And I suppose that's the problem we've got with the game is that the the money always ends up at that top end and uh, we don't get enough parity across the board. And I think the, it's good that nations have, have been highlighted for, for having a very poor approach to it and hopefully that improves. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, you just look at um, the English when they came over, they donated all of their training equipment back to Central Coast Mariners, you yeah. know, and... and left all of that there um, and the money at the very top yes there's some criticism that you know the rich are getting richer but the money at the very top is enabling good players to become fully professional and then that drags everybody else's standards up and we're seeing that here in the west as well where players are deciding that they need to improve themselves so they they want to leave and go and play over east and um, you know that that provides opportunities for for younger players in the in the game locally yeah. But it's an indication that standards are rising across the board and we've really got to keep pace with that. And money is an important part of that, but it's also the passion and, and the desire for people to improve things. And uh, there's more and more of that coming through, I think, and it's great to see. And I think professionalisation is a, a word that people have been afraid of for a while, but it, it's not just paying players. It's about having sports psychologists, physios and other people involved in the background. So there's... A professional approach is, is holistic, not just one-dimensional. Oh, yeah, and, and I think that attitudes as well. Um, people expect to go to NPL clubs now and expect to see an improvement on the standards from five years ago, and, and they are there. And uh, whilst I've, I've mentioned that I'm not, you know, speaking on behalf of Red Star, I think that that is a, that is a team um, over the last two years that has shown the way for the rest of the league. It is a very professional setup um, in terms of the way that the players are coached and looked after, yeah. and the results are there. And I think that the way that they played during the season was something that the rest of the league needs to catch up to, but also bringing in some amazing players. Uh, Reina Kagami uh, during the season was, was a, another highlight for me during the season. She was an absolutely outstanding player and such a joy to watch mm. um, and really set the standard for the rest of the league. And um, let's hope that we can keep her for the next season and see her to continue to grow and blossom. Oh, absolutely. It works that way across the world. If you look at Man City, they, they've raised the level of the Premier League. Mm. Um, Rail um, have done the same thing in Europe. So I think it's, it's, you're right. We, we do need to have those teams that we've all aspired to catch up to, but it's also got to be done in an affordable way. And players in WA in particular have to realise that when they've signed a contract with X club in State Division 1, they are not a professional footballer and they've not signed for Man United. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it, it's a tricky balancing act. And obviously, you know, the, the money is coming into the game at the women's level. And, and quite rightly, I mean, they... They train as much as the men, um, and sometimes their viewing audiences on on the streaming uh, are higher than the men's games. So um, they deserve to get paid, but you can't pay everybody because it's just not financially possible. Um, so you've got to find other ways around that, and you know people are working on that behind the scenes as well. I'm really excited to hear about Football West's um, academy plans. I think that's an excellent. Um, venture for them to, to go into um, to, to throw the net further uh, further afield and not just concentrating on NTC players. Uh, now we could see anybody getting additional training and, and helping them to sort of grow and develop. So I think the wider you can cast the net, the, the more likely it is that you can catch some of those rough diamonds and, and bring them in 
and hopefully polish them up and get them up into the Perth Glory side because the the, the bigger the talent pool is, the, the better the players are going to become. Yep. So you're saying that the suggestion is that Football West will have an academy, like Perth Glory have an academy, so it'll be open to the membership, as in any club, uh, players, and then they can be drafted into the NTC from there, which is the platform for selecting Perth Glory players generally? Uh, they wouldn't be drafted into the NTC. I mean, the NTC will still continue as a program, but in uh, Jamie's um, newsletter just last week, he mentioned... A, the formation of the academy, I think Gareth Naven is driving this very, very strongly and Andy Ord as well, um, just to bring players who are identified either by the clubs or through a trial process. I don't know quite how it's going to work, but they become part of Football West Academy um, and they then will have additional training. And uh, two nights a week, sometimes it's only 90 minutes, and, you know, per session is not nowhere near enough. Um, NTC are training three nights a week, so... An additional session every week for some of these players who get identified uh, to hone their skills and, and make them, uh, help them to become better players is has got to be a good thing. Some of them may well go on into NTC, and but others will surely feed into their clubs and again improve the standard of the NPL. So how does that work on the male side of things? Uh, I'd well, like... Perth Glory, Perth Glory have got their own academy uh, on the male side, so that's how that works. Um, so Football West won't be involved in that. I mean, there used to be a male NTC, but when Perth Glory came on board uh, with their own academy, they, they've hoovered up, you know, all of those players and they, they take them into the into their Perth Glory academy. But Perth Glory don't look like they're going to have a female academy. Yeah. Um, so the gap is being filled by Football West and I think credit to them for, for recognising that there's a need for this. Yeah. The clubs themselves, you've got volunteer coaches, who's going to give up? It's difficult. It's hard enough to find coaches giving up two nights a week, uh, never mind three. Some may be able to do it, um, but this gives them uh, gives those players another opportunity. And on top of that, you've also got all the private academies that are out there as well. Um, you know, that's that's a whole new discussion. Um, you know how how does that fit in? Because they're filling a gap that's not there. So I don't know how the Football West Academy is going to go. Um, whether that will siphon players off from from those private academies. Who knows? I don't know if, what the fee structure will be like if there is any, but I just think it's a great initiative and a great venture. Yeah, and with all the uh, unknowingness surrounding Perth Glory and ownership mm -hmm. and we, we were talking before about how Stadge can get money to draw in marquee players or add some value, whatever, well, he's got to be a bloody amazing coach, really, to <laughs> pull from what he's got. And on the other side, we've got the women who are doing well. I mean, you yep. think of Perth Glory sitting near the top mm. of the table at the moment. Um, do we ask if it's a men or women? No, it's just the women. Like yeah. that's, uh, I suppose when you look at it from the, the financial point of view, probably easier with the lack of um, ownership to attract women into the game because of the, the, the lower amounts of money they are getting paid. Mm. Um, it's, it's worked in Perth's favour, and I imagine that Alex. Well, I know that Alex from the moment last season stopped had started recruiting for this season, and um, whereas the men until Stadge came on board, it was people exiting. So yeah. they're, they're yeah. two completely different approaches. Yeah, and under yeah. the same club, it's amazing. Yeah, and I think with with the Perth Glory women as well, they've got that well of uh, talent to tap into, which is relatively cheap. Which is the NTC. Um, mm. I mean, there's been a couple of players go over east as well. Asia uh, Brooking, Ruby Cuthbert. Um, they've gone over east uh, from the NTC program. Um, they're not getting many game minutes, um, and the same could be said for a few of the um, 
Well, she's, yeah, but, I mean, she was chasing a spot because she, she wasn't going to get one with Perth Glory, and that was, mm. you know, she was told that in no uncertain terms. So she, you know, decided to try and follow her dreams over there in, in, in Victoria and the NPL over there. Um, but the, the reality is, with the salary cap, um, the amount of money that's being spent on players, it's it's cheaper to get the NTC players in oh, yeah, and put yeah. them on and put them on scholarships, whereas there's not the equivalent for the men. Um, so the money side of it for the women is is really not an issue, but it's still concerning uh, the lack of ownership and and everything and the uncertainty that that has. Um, the wheels are sort of slightly falling off glory at the moment for the women I think the last two games no goals yeah. uh, they haven't won in the last five so some worrying signs there uh, they do seem to be a little bit um, one dimensional for me um, they're getting the ball and they're hitting it long and trying to get on to Millie Farrow as quickly as they possibly can and teams are working that out so mm. he's got to come up with something different uh, for the second half of the season but Fair credit. I mean, yeah. second or, or top of the table at the moment. But looking at it from, from a Red Bulls <laughs> well, perspective, when you're sitting on top of the heap, everybody wants a piece of you and yeah. every game is a cup final. So, And Glory haven't been used to that sort of pressure either. So, you know, we spent the last few years in the, in the bottom end of the table, um, but now they've, they've been the rabbit and everyone's chasing them and, and the, the Greyhounds do catch up. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that that's something else that, the mindset of players has to adjust to. Um, the, the press yesterday from Western United was pretty ferocious and um, a number of players were found wanting, you know, balls being copped up in dangerous positions and uh, tracking back was not as strong as it could have been and, and whatnot. I, the, the worry for me is that there's the, the strength in depth of the squad. Um, you know, you mentioned Tia there, uh, Penny, but really, is she an improvement on anything that's out there? I, I would say not. Uh, Tanika Lala, though, is a different kettle of fish. Tia is very similar to Mia Farrow, so you're getting two similar players, but you put Tanika Lala in there, and then you've got a different dynamic, you've got a different way of playing. I don't understand why Abby Green is not getting a run, for example. Um, you know, she's she's proven when she's played at NPL that she's a real handful, um, but she seems to be continually being played out of position, either through the centre or as a left-back or something like that. So there's some options in the squad, and, and it may be that, um, he's not too concerned right at the moment, um, but another loss in the next game and things will change. I think you'll, yeah. you'll have to look at some options in the squad then. Neil, we're going to have to leave it there. I think we definitely got our 10 minutes worth out of you. Thank you very much. <laughs> not a problem at all. Yeah, Thanks very much for having me on and um, very, uh, very Merry Christmas to all of you in the studio, everybody listening. It's been a fabulous 2023 and uh, fingers crossed we get an even better 2024 locally and internationally. Um, let's see the uh, Matildas get to the Olympics. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, good on you for um, your contribution this year to the media. And, uh, Neil, if you want to join the Football Hall of Fame committee, uh, December 30 at Ashfield, you can come along. There's a few casual positions there up for grabs. Could do with some good historians on the committee, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think I've got a lot on my plate at the moment, Ken, but thanks very much indeed for asking. <laughs> no probs. Have a safe Christmas, Neil. Will do. Take care. Cheers. Bye. Bye-bye. That was Neil Bennett, the former weatherman. Heard him on the radio yesterday <laughs> to having a chat, reminiscing. Um, but uh, definitely into football writing these days. Does a great job. Yeah. Gets out and about and, uh, as you can hear, has a lot to say, which yeah. is always good on the radio. Yeah, that's right. Fills all the spaces. Right. Um, do you guys want to fill spaces or do you want me to go to break and get Greg on the I was line? just going to add, as, as uh, alluded to, the Glory women lost last night uh, 1-0 to Western United. Um, so that was a... Second game in a row without scoring, and uh, 
Chloe Legazzo scored the goal for Western United and it was her birthday. Hmm. She turned 29. So Matilda, former Matilda, current Matilda. I'm not sure if she's still... Yeah, current, I think. Yeah. Is, is in, in the mix, at least. Certainly yeah. in that mix, yeah. yeah. Look, it, and I think what Neil said is right. Uh, there is a sort of one-dimensional approach yeah. out of the, the, the glory, but um, I still think it's that mindset, the mental state of being being chased every week and knowing that everyone's going to come at you hard is yeah. something they haven't been used to. Um, you've also got a couple of players carrying injuries. I see um, at least two with their thighs strapped, which is never a good sign. Mm. No. Um, and then key players go missing at different times. And it's having the quality of depth is a problem. And, and I also agree absolutely what he said, that um, at the moment it's not panic stations. If mm. we lose the next game, then you're sort of going, OK, well, it's, it's, you know, it needs to get changed up a bit now. Yeah. Our next guest on the line is Greg Farrell, Futsal WA, Coaching Director, NPL Coach. <coughs> Any other things I should throw into the hat there, Greg? Newly married? No, nah, that, that, that's more than enough. Well, yeah, newly married if you want to, but that's more than enough, I think. <laughs> Sir. <laughs> How's all those things going for you, Greg? Yeah, really well. Um, I'm actually talking to you all from the Whitsunday Islands at the moment, but oh. Um, oh. everything everything has gone really well in 2023 and looking to continue to build even stronger into 2024. When you said you were on a bus, I thought you meant a football bus. Are you having your honeymoon? No, 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 not honeymoon. We already did that. This was a, just a family trip. It's just a okay. replay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much. You've got Pete, Sean and Dave in the studio having a chat. That's why there's so many voices there. So, um, Hey, Jim. Yeah, thanks for joining us. So it, it has been a, a pretty huge year of football. How do you reflect on that for your, yourself or Futsal WA or even Subiaco? Yeah, it ha- has been enormous. With with Futsal WA, we've seen the the elite competitions. The the Superliga has gone from strength to strength. We've um, grown from sort of forty five or fifty teams in in twenty twenty to more than one hundred and twenty teams playing every weekend um, this this summer season. Um, the, the social competitions in, in Mount Lawley and, and West Perth in, in Netherlands are, um, well, one of the, the, the Mount Lawley courts are getting a makeover. The brand new AstroTurf is being put down next week. So when all the players come back for the second part of the summer season, they'll be playing on a, a brand new surface. Um, so that's a, a huge undertaking for the, the association, but definitely... A positive thing. We'll hopefully see a further uptick in in participation at, at Mount Lawley, and the the courts there had been overdue for a um, resurface. Probably it was probably due around the middle of the year. Um, so the winter, the way it is here with the rain and stuff, it just sort of made it a little bit difficult, but. We've got to the point now where it's it's ready to be done and the, the players will be playing on a, a brand-new pristine service in a few weeks' time. So, Greg, this tells me that your memberships are good and healthy and there's a lot of feet on those surfaces wearing them out. So that that's a good sign. Yeah, there's, well, there's definitely a, a huge participation increase in futsal across the board. Um, and the, the Women's World Cup especially... For the the female game, but even just for 
participation across the board was such a good thing. To see people mm. really out and supporting football itself, whether it be female or, or not, was, was a great thing. But I think the benefits, hopefully, we haven't even scratched the surface of what the benefits will be moving forward no. for, for, for women's football especially. With, with your Super League, I've been um, watching all the competitions and recognitions of the players, etc. Which you, your media team does a great job. Is that Annie? Is she the media team? She she is the head of the media team. Yes. Okay, cool. She does a great job. You can you pass that on. There's so much information that that goes through the uh, Superliga Facebook pages and and all the socials. It, it's great. Um, keep everyone up to date there. I notice you do a lot of streaming, so you, someone is at the games videoing or recording the games, which is great, and whoever's doing the, the chatting through that and commentating, it's really good stuff, really professional. Yeah, so we have um, eight men's games and four women's games. All of our top tier get live-streamed with with commentary every weekend. We do. We have live statistics that go up during the game and at full-time from the game itself. Um, so it is quite a big team effort. But when it means that people are getting to watch the games, uh, we've got people who tune in from the East Coast and even friends of friends in South America and Europe. It, it is a really good thing. It means that we're spreading spreading the word about the game. Absolutely. And on the Subiaco side of things, uh, how do you reflect on your year there? Yeah, it was a very good year. We um, sort of cemented what we had started in, in 2022, which was a, a change with the culture within the female side of the club. Um, there'd been some really good work done in previous years, but it, it sort of didn't really have a direction. Um, so uh, we've made changes there where moving forward the the junior girls flows into the seniors and it I guess that pathway is is very obvious and clear and the philosophies and the mentality are going to be across the board from the juniors up to the seniors so everybody knows even the under 10s and the under 8s are getting slightly different messages but obviously the, the same mentality is being pushed for them as it is for the seniors. So when those players become senior players, they're ready to play first-team football, where in the past that wasn't the case. So so that that's actually a, a pretty big thing to happen at any club, right? And Subiaco is a huge club. So I don't know that there'd be many clubs like male or female in their pathways that could boast the philosophy from the youngest player to the most elite player have the same philosophy and know what that is. How do you implement that? Or is that well, the club that, that does sure it that and you're the, part of it? Uh, it is the club now. It hadn't been, but that was sort of a part of the arrangement in my coming on board was that that would be a part of everything. Um, so it's a work in progress and there are hiccups and there's always going to be things that we don't get right, but Moving forward, it, it has to be more professional. It has to be the way things work in professional environments, which is players are looking and striving to get into the next team. 
So well, I'm not talking about our participation team. So this isn't the under-13 Division Three team or anything like that. This is the, the elite players and the elite teams from the juniors upwards. Those players who know from a young age they want to be trying to play first-team football or get into the glory, get into the Matildas. Yeah. Those are the ones that, are, that I'm really referring to. Yeah, can I, um, can I just... The, the participation side of things is... That's where different. sort of Addy, Addy Urich, the TD, works in that area. Can I just ask Sean from Ashfield and Dave from Mum FC, do you think that exists at, at your clubs, that same philosophy? Look, much more a club without a junior base. So for us, yes, absolutely. The 18s, right the way through to first team, we'll know what it's about. Yeah. What do you reckon, Dave? Well, that was a, implemented by Mark George initially, you know, but maybe not so well uh, kept, maybe not so well kept going, you know, uh, as in what they're doing up at Subia here, good things, you know. So Yeah, yeah. Just uh, the, way, the way you're talking about that, Greg, that connect and that bringing people on board, that's, it, it sounds like normal. It sounds like what a healthy club should be doing, should be right? Doing, yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah, well, it was something that I talked about when, I was at Beckenham and then Conrad McKelvey and I sort of enacted it at, at Redbacks um, and with the help of um, Tim Hodgson. And I think that was it was something that Tim was really big on and it probably just needed a couple of other people to help drive it and that was where Conrad and I had a similar sort of train of thought and, and what we wanted for the players that we were working with and even the younger players to be able to aspire to. Um, and I think if, if you look at the, even the, the NTC programs, it's it's a similar thing. You're giving the, the players something to aspire to. You're giving them, even though you, you cater towards the age group, the specific messaging, the mentality, the philosophies, the way that we want them to be and to do things are, are still similar. Yep. Greg... We're going to have to let you go. Uh, thank you very much for joining us today from the Whitsunday Islands. I think you're the first guest we've had online from the Whitsunday Islands. So congratulations. <laughs> I have all these, for our program. Oh, it yeah. is. I have all these amazing visions in my head. So what are you looking at outside of the bus at the moment? What do you see? Well, we're, we're on our way to the airport. So at the moment I'm looking at a petrol station. There is some palm trees and stuff like that. Well, I hope you have enjoyed. If you're you're on the way back here, or you're on the way there. Yeah, yeah. We're, no, we're on the way back to Brisbane. Okay. All right. Well, have a safe Christmas and a, and a merry one. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for partnering up for the World Football Program. We do appreciate it. Hope to have you back on board again next year, talking everything of football. Absolutely. Yeah, most definitely. Thank you for everything you guys do for the game as well. Good on you. Thanks, Greg, and thanks to Annie as well behind you, the wing behind you, and all that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have have a really good end to 2023. Good on you. Thank you. See ya. Thanks, guys. Bye. That was Greg Farrell from Futsal WA. We, uh, well, actually, you guys talk amongst yourselves, and I'll get our next guest on the line. Yeah, just going back to that uh, philosophy across clubs. I think a lot have a vision, but they don't clearly put it out there. I know um, with Ashfield, we've got what we call part, which is passion, accountability, respect, and teamwork. Yeah, and that is something that we, we use to build through all of our um, on- and off-field business. So yeah. um, it's got to be simple. It's got to be um, structured, but everyone needs to understand what it is. Yeah. Uh, it's quite funny, you know, <laughs> in my very formative years at Melville, I uh, yeah. put, awesome. put it on paper, you know. Mm. I just wrote yeah. down a few things. 
and I put it round the committee and asked them to, yeah. to, to give me an opinion. Yep. And one guy says, what's this for? Mm. <laughs> I thought, you're kidding me. You know, yeah, and that, this and is well, we, we need to try and build something and yeah. we need a structure to do it by and I'm giving you guys the opportunity to have a say in this. Mm. And it's extremely important. It yep. should be up in the wall. Yeah, this yeah is for everyone to say it. But I think Greg Farrell's plan is slightly more scientifically proven hmm. that it starts from the, the, the youngest absolutely it and, does and yeah. falls all the way right through yeah. and it doesn't doesn't change and, and the and coaches have got to be it's okay educated. having it's okay having the words but then you've also got to live up to it and I know exactly. like yes. South, uh, Southampton have a very good youth academy and part of their success is that Guys going into that academy know if they're good enough, they're going to get a run in the first team. Whereas if they go to Man City or even West Ham, there's no, there's no guarantees that they are. Yeah. So and that's got to come from the top down, right? So yeah. Robbie, Robbie, sorry, I'll introduce Robbie. Robbie Thompson, good afternoon or good morning, Perth time. Thank you for joining us today. Absolute pleasure. I hope everyone's enjoying the start of the festive season. We are, we are. We, we've just been talking about club philosophy and, uh, of course, that brought up, you know, huge distractions to the conversations. <laughs> but um, uh, surely it's got to go, go from the top down where whoever owns the club either gives licence to the people operating the club or people operating the club are good people and they get down into all parts of the club they want to affect with the same philosophy. So they're either paid to do the right thing or they pay people to do the right thing. Mm. If you have that disconnect, then how can the message get well, from top to driven, down? It's driven from the top and, and guidance is from the top, but in, in a lot of cases it's driven from the bottom up as well. How, mm. how so? Well, um, I go back to a club I, I was involved in 30 years ago, had a junior base. We had a, a senior team that was disconnected from the rest of us and it was the grassroots that then defined what the, the state league club would be doing. So... You know, they, they thought that they were the... the more numbers, you, more money involved. Well, all the money you get goes to us because, you know, we're it. Yeah. And they weren't. And it's the it was the, the mums and dads who were there with the under-8s on the Sunday morning that were actually the club. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. these blow-ins that were, some of them, no, no association with the club being brought in as a star player who thought it was all about them. Yeah. Do you know, so, that, that sounds like some clubs now. Yeah, like, yeah of course it does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, look, it's, it's as old as Adam. But it's about having those players who come in, coming in for the right reasons. They want to be part of the club. They want to be accountable to the club. They want to respect the club and they want to be part of that team. Yeah. Or, or do you have someone come in because the club wants them to come in. They know that they can help win games. So you're paying whatever they want so they can come in and help win games for the club. No, yeah. I, want someone, I want someone who wants to be part of that team yeah. first yeah. And, and wants to be part of the club. Um, yeah, they might be the best player, but I've met some of them and they are absolutely... So no to I, Ronaldo? The worst I won't use on the show, but, you know... <laughs> the, the, no, no, but you pay someone um, to do a job, that's fine, but they've still got to want to be part of that, that club. And you look at there's professional players all over the, the world that have gone into teams like Manchester United and then it's, it's, it's been the Ronaldo show yeah. uh, and the rest of them didn't matter. Mm. It's that doesn't. It's not healthy. It proved for Manu wasn't healthy. Yeah, Robbie, oh, what do you reckon? Well, I I think there has to be accountability um, somewhere along the line. But for me, it's the the president or the director or the chairman. I mean, at some point, the buck has to stop with the owner, if you like, <laughs> or the, the the people running running the show. I mean, if you, if you want success, if you want to have a, a be a be a development club, if you want to be a club where you're you're looking to to drive everything through the first team, 
Um, at the end of the day, all that accountability comes back to the people that are making the decision. Yes. And you can say, look, we, 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 we had a bad coach or, you know, there was a thing, the dressing room, we brought in too many bad elements or, you know, this or that or the TV deal wasn't enough money for us or this. But at the end of the day, the buck's got to stop somewhere. So if you have a successful club, if you're running a successful club, maybe it's, you know, your your decisions you're making are true to the identity of the club that you've created, that you didn't want to bring in these star players or, or whatever, that you wanted to build it from the ground up, and that that's the philosophy you have to stick with and you make the decisions via that. I think trouble starts when when the direction the club is going in is not clearly defined and everyone doesn't know where you're headed and what to expect. And so other people think, well, maybe I can make a little name for myself here or I can I can move away from the club direction to get my success at my individual level without thinking of the club. And that's where all problems at every level of the game begin, whether it's in juniors, uh, amateur, all the way to, to top professional. And you're going to have people that have their personal interests and want to want to put their personal interests first. So at the end of the day, the club directors have to be the ones that say, we have to marry your individual personal ambition with that of the club, bring in the right people where this marries together and, and the club's success will be your personal individual success and then you can move forward. I, it, that's how I see it. I don't think it's as easy as just that. What, but, uh, what about A-League, Robbie? Um, when uh, you have ownership of an A-League club... Does any club, this is my ignorance here, but does any club have a, a board that goes under the, under the direction of the club owner and then implements the operations of the club? Or does the owner of an A-League club appoint individual parts like a CEO and then a manager and so forth? How, how does that work? Yeah, but each club has a, a director of football or a CEO and a COO, a operating officer, a, a chief executive officer. Um, Sometimes the owners are more hands-on. Again, it's all about the relationship. You look at the changes that have happened in Brisbane, at Brisbane Raw, over over the last year with Casper Tafter, less over the last six months with Casper Tafter, who's come in with Zach Anderson, and they've sort of changed, turned the club around 180 degrees and said, "Look, we want to be Queensland-based. We want to give back that identity. We're moving back to SunCorp because that's the traditional home. That's where we won the league in that match against the Mariners a decade ago." This is our spiritual home. This is what we've brought in uh, a, a youth coach who's now in charge of the academy, um, who's trying to, a Queenslander, who's trying to run things the way we see that that's to happen. Ross Aloisi is the coach. He's the head coach. He's got lots of young kids from Queensland that are in the team. Um, and so those decisions, and again, you know, Ross Aloisi um might have personal ambition to go and coach overseas, but he knows that he's got to enjoy success at, at A-League level first. Yep. The players that he brings in want to go and play for the Socceroos. Want, obviously, all young players want to go overseas. Um, they're in it for themselves. They want to earn as much money as possible and play for a, a big prestigious club beyond Brisbane Raw. This is a stepping stone. So this is what the A-League is. The A-League has to understand its place, that, you know, my success... Um, is everyone's success. And the success of the league comes by having strong clubs, not by having a Perth Glory in receivership, a Newcastle owned by four other clubs that we don't know really where it's headed. Um, all these things are, you know, that, that the APL splitting from FA need to run a tight ship. 
And what everyone needs to understand is you need your individual success. I mean, the clubs are trying to win the league. They are trying to make money off transfers. But they also need to make sure that the rest of the league and the communal decisions and everything, the direction the A-League is going, are in the best interests of everyone. And that's, you know, it works at a club level, it works at an individual level, and I think it works at the level of the league as well. If you look at the Premier League in England, which is the most powerful, monumental league that exists, you know, everyone is striving to, to make their own money, to be the best they can be. You know, there are 115 irregular charges against the, the best team in the country mm. um, because they've tried to do everything they can to be the best. But the Premier League is also running a very tight ship, which is they have created this juggernaut of the, the, the 20 richest clubs in the world, just about, minus probably only four that four or five that can compete with them financially. And that's going all the way down now to the, to the bottom of the Premier League. The 20th place in the Premier League would earn more money than just about the, you know, the second, third team in Italy, mm. the fifth team in Spain, any team in France. 20th place in the Premier League would earn more money than all of them. That's mm-hmm. in the interest. The league is running this thing and making this this juggernaut. So, you know, everyone's got to find their place, find what they want, but also work in the best interest of the league. And perhaps that's something that's been a huge handbrake on the development of football in Australia for so long, because we haven't had this universal vision. And I suppose the other thing you mentioned there about clubs making money from transfers, the only way a club in Australia can make money from transfers currently is overseas transfers yep. because yep. internally our market is mutual termination yes. of contracts, which is, is not a good thing. And I think we need to have and develop a transfer market within Australia. Well, I think that's on its way. Mm. The FA have, have, have announced that that's you know, in, the, in the pipeline and that that will be coming. They're going to abolish that mutual termination and it will be a way for NPL clubs and state clubs, state-based clubs, federation members to, uh, to earn a bit of money as well and give them an incentive to develop players. Because it's true, there's absolutely zero incentive for, for, for clubs to develop youth yeah. if you can't make money out of it. I mean, that's a, it's, a, it's a whole avenue stream that for whatever reason, and I'm not sure it's ever been clearly explained to me as to, to why, but it was denied the club this clear source of revenue yeah. and so prices have gone up because you know you're not making money out of it in europe if you're a talented young player you play you pay nothing to go and i i played amateur football in france for 15 years the most i ever paid for a, a license was 25 euros mm. yeah for my yearly yearly license here in over 45s in sydney i'm paying nearly 500 dollars mm. yeah. Oh, no, to look, play one season is crazy. And I agree. I think that that money tears down to, then to the grassroots and for small provincial clubs, you know, $1,000, $2,000 per player, lose three or four players in a year, that's funding your, your junior development. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then as yeah. you go up into the NPL levels, you know, you could be talking larger numbers, which would then do the same for them. Yeah, it's, uh, mm. it's yeah, it's a, Well, it's the model that works all over the world, isn't it? I mean, yeah. look at Brazil. If Brazilian football exists, there are Brazilian footballers all over the world, including here in, in, in Australia yep. and in, you know, lower lower divisions. We've got Japanese players in, in the NPL playing who have come from lower divisions in Japan. Oh, I yep. mean, all of that. I'm not saying everyone's making money, but this is a, a global, you know, financial stream 
that is that is there and and should be exploited. And, and makes, the A-League the clubs stronger. are starting to realise it as well. The A-League clubs are starting to make money out of this. So, Robbie, let's reflect on 2023. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what's your thoughts on, on this year? How's it gone football-wise? Um, well, football's been, I think, pretty good for, for in, in this country anyway. I, I think... Um, you know, if, if we're to talk about football in Australia and the impact of football in Australia, it's hard to look beyond, you know, the Women's World Cup. I, I assume that your guests that you've had on today have already have already said that yep. to almost unanimously that that was, yeah. you know, I mean, that was the, the high watermark, wasn't it? That was the exclamation point of 2023. It was, it was six weeks where the country was, was enamoured with, with the round ball. And I think the, the passion... Everything that was beautiful about football, we saw, and, and it really brought the country together, which I think the Matildas have managed to do, which the Socceroos will hopefully do in, in a month's time as well. But that was, that was a brilliant moment. But football on, on a domestic level, at the A-League level, I mean, the Mariners were fantastic champions um, in the men's competition. Sydney FC as well, who were the best team in the women's competition and, and, and finally won their grand final as well. Um, there were fairy tales all over the place. We've seen, you know, right up until two weeks ago, the emergence or the re-emergence of Bruno Fornaroli and the mm. story that that was to get into the, the Socceroos team. I mean, I know perhaps mm. Perth Glory fans don't have such a great memory of Bruno's time, but there's there's little doubt at the moment that he is, he is uh, you know, lighting up the league. The goal he scored against the Mariners has got to be one of the highlights of, of 2023. And um, perhaps more generally... I think we're still heading back in the right direction after after the A-Leagues was hit with that, you know, the, the split of the APL from the FA, which was a, was a bloody civil war, if you like, in the game. Another one from then to be hit with COVID and the playing seasons without fans. And my first season back commentating was, was a, a logistical nightmare with over 100 matches being changed. Um, the grand final decision, which was a, mm. a nightmare at the end of last year, all of that is starting to be resolved. And I get the feeling, you know, that off the back of the Matildas, off the back of the Socceroos, that the A-League is starting to, to just reassert itself and climb back. And, of course, there was the announcement of the, the second tier as well. So I think things are moving in the right direction, yes. as, well as, as well as having that, that clear standout moment, which was the Matildas. Mm. That's, that summed up the entire year. That, that was good. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. was the question, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah thanks for that, Robbie. <laughs> you should be a match commentator or a football commentator. <laughs> um, Robbie, it's been absolutely fantastic uh, having you join us this year for um, Football Chat. So I hope you do so again in 2024 because we all love having you on the show. You just uh, you talk and that's what we love on football. Thank you. And you use A-League stats. Yeah, he does. That's <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, exactly. And I do. I'm a big fan. I've got it open on my computer at the moment. Oh, that's two of us. Been having a look because I'm commentating. <laughs> I'm commentating in a, in a in a couple of hours' time. I've got to head to Allianz Stadium for Sydney FC versus Western United. Yep. Which I'm dubbing the match of fear at the moment because if there is a loser and Perth Glory win later today, they'll be bottom of the table. So. uh it hasn't been a great season so far for these two, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. And I always check out A-League stats just to make sure I've got everything in order. Pete's always stoked with that. You know, yeah. he, he sits in the studio, he's got this smug smile on his face like he has right now. Well, no, he should be very proud. Pete, you should be very proud. 
Yes. <laughs> I mean, there was the big uh, if there if Perth Glory win as well. So you know, it's a glory. Exactly. Game. Exactly. Mm. True. But uh, but no, the website is fantastic. I, I it's got AFC tournaments as well, which has been great when I've been doing the Mariners and going back over their history this season in uh, in continental competition. So so well done. Oh, thank That's you. off to you. <laughs> Robbie, have a safe and Merry Christmas. Appreciate your time and hopefully you'll join us again next year. Thank you very much, Penny. To you and the guys and everyone and and all your listeners, Merry Christmas. And uh, we'll see you in 2024 for sure. Good one, Robbie. (laughs) See ya. Thanks, Robbie. See you later. Speak to you soon. Bye. That was Robbie Thompson, match commentator for Paramount and Channel 10. They've done a, a good job of getting out there into mm. free-to-wear and the streaming services to provide us with Matildas and Socceroos and A-League. Um, yep, seeing more of it, which is great. Yeah, I don't know where this perception that uh, Glory fans have a thing against Bruno. I think we're all aware <laughs> that uh, the coaching team and Bruno weren't getting on at the time and he was kind of forced out. I think Bruno and his family were very happily living in Perth. Yeah, and, yeah. And was, yeah. yeah, it's just... A circumstance of, of that coaching era, we've lost a lot of good players. Mm. Uh, yeah, provided he doesn't score against the glory, I'm I'm still a Bruno fan. <laughs> no, look, and I'm happy for him. I'm happy that he's got the opportunity to um, represent his adopted land as a as a soccerer, and I think he's he's certainly earned the right. And this year, he's certainly been the gun striker. I mean, there's what four or five clubs he's outscored personally. So yeah, he's, you know, he's right up there. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And a great opportunity, even though he is, yeah, he's not a young lad anymore. But. 36, but, you know, that didn't hold Castro back either. No. Yeah, no, true. Exactly. <laughs> We've got Hayley Roach on the line, all the way from the other side of Australia. It is a damn long way. Hayley, did you come over here to Perth for any of the World Cup games? No, I didn't, no. Um, Hiya, Penny. I was just in Adelaide for the uh, for the World Cup and then went to Sydney for for a couple of games. Yep, there were some fans that were absolutely amazing and travelled to as many games as they could during the World Cup from one side of the nation to the other side. It was incredible. Must have cost them a bomb. How's that for passion? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's some dedicated football fans out there, that's for sure. Yes. So we've got Hayley Roach on the line. Hayley has joined us throughout the year talking everything football, not just women's football, but everything football. We do appreciate that, Hayley. We hope you'll join us again in 2024. Um, if I'm invited back, Penny, I'll be here. Thank you very much. Absolutely. You're in. Yeah, no, look, from my perspective, <laughs> one of the highlights was uh, having you as a guest on the show. Very, very good guest to have on. Very astute knowledge of, of the game. And, and just a, a, just the vibe we get off you. It's just brilliant. Yeah, definitely. Oh, thank you. That's, that's very kind. And that was going to be the first highlight. Looking back on um, highlights in my football, in my football world. Um, is uh, is connecting with you guys and being a part of your show and in such a momentous year for for women's football especially to be a part of your show um, was certainly a highlight for me so thank you very much yeah true and just in case you don't recognize some of the voices we've got uh, pete and sean and dave kindness dave is a former president of uh, murdoch university melville football club mum fc so he and I, we were in cahoots sometimes. <laughs> yeah. It's my club too. Yeah. So, uh, well, yeah. Hello to everybody. Thank, thanks, Hayley. And 2023, like you say, it was a pretty amazing year. What was the highlight for you? Yeah. So, I mean, I've, I've been listening to your show already um, this morning, Penny, and without question, it's everybody's um, to, going to reflect and talk about the Women's World Cup this year. And without question, yes, um, 
the ninth Women's World Cup that was hosted by Australia and New Zealand, um, hailed by FIFA as the biggest Women's World Cup of all time, is certainly going to be a highlight. But I think when we, uh, as we look at it right now, the whole entire year of 2023, I think, will go down in the history books for a real game-changing year and a milestone year for women's football across the board. Um, so, uh, I, so I picked out a couple of things to highlight for, mm-hmm. that um, across um, that have happened that I, I think are just worthy of the mention. I think we've got lots and lots of, of things to, to to talk about, and the Women's World Cup can, as a whole was incredible. Um, but just some of the things that stick out for me, for my memories, um, certainly of, of the uh, of the tournament, um, I was super privileged and I'll never forget the fact that I actually got to watch my team, my England team in a final. Um, so that's definitely, that was a highlight for me um, and certainly in the evolution of the, of the game. Um, uh, of course, we lost that to Spain and Spain won the trophy for the first time. So uh, that's another momentous um, kind of milestone. Um, but the uh, the Women's World Cup had a record attendance um, at the tournament. Well, over 1.9 million tickets were sold of people going and supporting the games and i tried to look at the viewing i tried to do some research on the viewing tv viewing figures um and i can't quite work it out but it was millions absolutely millions of people around the world tuned in and watched the watched the tournament so um record-breaking year certainly for uh, the FIFA for, for women's world cup and some of the highlights um, of the year of that of that for me uh, who can forget the Matildas versus France in the quarterfinal with that 7-6 penalty shootout, uh, which meant, of course, the Matildas went through and met England in the semi-final. Um, so I think that is a, certainly a standout moment for me from the tournament. Um, and then, of course, uh, that England versus Australia match. And one of the goals of the tournament for me was that Sam Kerr goal. Yeah. Um, I, I, uh, that really, when I look back and if you ask me the, what is the one major thing that stands out for me it, that goal was just incredible um, and she made it look so easy and she's just an absolute superstar and I think this has been the year for Sam Kerr and I think about what is still to come for her but this year has been um, an absolute amazing amazing year and some of the things that I've kind of reflected on and researched she's been involved in a lot of these kind of major milestones for me um, over 2023. So um, we've got that. Um, of course, Matilda's won the hearts of the nation um, and truly put football on the, uh, you know, the Australian sporting map, which I think was brilliant. It really did unite the nation. And when I talk to people and say I've worked on the tournament, um, even people who are not football fans, they're either from the music industry, um, you know, from the logistics industry, they were all absolutely, you know, embedded and with the Matildas every single way. People who you say, like you said in with previous callers, who not necessarily were sports fans or football fans, but the Matildas really united the nation and brought everybody together with their passion and, and you know, love of the game and the skill and uh, that so that was another highlight I think and I think for me that that's what uh, football is very much about. That was um, a lot of highlights. Is there more? Um, and then the other thing I was just going to touch on was just some of those statistics from um, from 
from the English Women's Super League. Yes. So the fact that we had 77,000 at Wembley, uh, the biggest um, for a domestic FA Cup final, Chelsea versus Man United. Sam Kerr again scoring that winning goal for Chelsea. We have f- over 59,000 record attendance for a domestic league match in the Women's Super League, which was Arsenal versus Chelsea just the other weekend. Um, and then the uh, Rebecca Welsh, who will make history as the first Premiership referee on the 23rd um, of uh, December. So lots, I think, of game-changing stats, uh, record-breaking moments mm. for yeah. the women's game in 2023. But more than that, Hayley, I kind of hope that it all lingers a little in our minds. And you said that it changed or put soccer, football, on the Australian sporting <laughs> landscape. And I kind of hope that that does for more than just the moment that it's here. Like, So when 2024 yeah. clicks in, that we're still thinking yeah. about those things and we're still supporting the things that, you know, were 2023. So we'll still yeah. go to the A-League games and we'll still uh, buy our memberships and we'll still watch the games online. And so it'll have this filter effect going on. Yeah. Mm. I hope. And, and I yeah. think the other thing is, as much as we've got all those positives, we still see some of the old fights coming up. You've got Mary Earps winning the spotty uh, recently. Yep. Then you've got the tired old Joe, Joey Barton and his misogyny. But yeah. what, was, what was great was, was the, the, the response from everybody else about that. And I think this is becoming yep. harder and harder to be a misogynist, and that's a good thing because the yeah. stamps out the better. <laughs> <laughs> It so is. And that's one of the other things, too, that was men and women going to watch the games and men and women talking about the games and talking about all these things. And it's not just a matter of comparing to or, um, you know, oh, but we don't watch women's soccer or you can't get a shirt for women's soccer. It's about, okay, in the same conversation, we're talking about, well, women's soccer or women's football might be up there and Joey's down there or... Oh wow, the Sam Kerr shirts have sold out, and oh, there's a well, Timmy Cahill shirt. Mike like you know, they, they will now sell goalkeeper shirts. Yeah, just off yeah. the back of what Mary this did is great. in the World Cup. Yeah. So I think that's it's a good thing. Um, Conversations have changed. Fights we shouldn't be having, and I think the sooner that is becomes part of it. And I think, look, for me personally, I, I always refer to Sam Kerr as a footballer, not with any other pronouns before it. Yep. She is a footballer mm. in her own right, and I think anyone yep. that's playing football is a footballer. Now, uh, we're going to have to go to our next guest. Um, Hayley, that was an amazing list, by the way. That was super awesome. That's, Thanks. That's all right. You're, you're very welcome. Uh, I wanted to maximise my 10 minutes, and I just thought I'll uh, uh, do, do a little summary for you. Yeah, yeah fi- fine job you did. Look, thanks so much for joining us this year. You've been an absolute pleasure to have on the show. Uh, a safe and Merry Christmas to you, and you're automatically part of the team for next year, all right? Oh, you're a superstar. Happy Christmas to everybody, to you guys in the studio and to everybody listening, and look forward to chatting in 2024. Good on you, Hayley. See you later. Bye-bye. See you. Bye. Thanks, Hayley. Yeah. That was Hayley Roach, Lost Lioness, women's football expert, but generally football expert. We yeah. are... Will you guys chat amongst yourselves? Yeah. I'll get the next guest online, as I, usual. I was listening to Talkback, I think it was yesterday, while I was driving, and there's a, a woman does a show in the, uh, after lunchtime, and she's a navid, avid AFL supporter. Mm. Yeah. But her highlight of the year was the Matildas. Yeah. <laughs> she had no yeah. other choice. No. <laughs> she had to revert to that because... Perth was just buzzing with mm. this going on, you know. And, mm. uh, and it's not unusual. If you go back to the formative years of the glory, um, those of us who were in the yeah. shed at the time, you'd look over your shoulder and there'd be half the, the West Coast Eagles, Glenn <laughs> Jakovic, and yeah. a whole heap of them stood yeah. there enjoying the game. Yeah. And I think if you enjoy sport, yeah. you enjoy any sport. I, I enjoy lots of sports. Yeah. Um, equally, 
the skill that it takes to play Aussie rules is, is different. Rugby is a, a different set of skills again. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, I, and, I enjoy all sports. Yeah, mm. uh, I, I like it as well, you know. But the biggest one is the round ball game. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's why it's called yeah. the world game. The world <laughs> game, exactly. <laughs> okay, guys, we're back with a new guest. We've got Clara. Now, Clara, you're going to have to pronounce your surname on air for us, so go for it. Wow. No way. <laughs> why? Say, so say right, no one gets it. Yeah, <laughs> I do. Say it again, say it again. Clara Wawel. Clara Wawel. Okay, there you go. Clara joins us from Perth Glory. And can I say a Mum FC player? Are you still a Mum FC player, Clara? I always will be, I think. Nice. Good on you, Clara. That's well what done. we like to hear. Just well had done. to get that out in the public record. <laughs> <laughs> I was sort of a bit panicky there for a moment. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on the program. And uh, I have to say a little bit of a fangirl moment for me when I went to the last uh, A-League fixture at uh, Macedonia Park. They were selling badges with the Glory players on mm. and there was one of Clara and I got really excited. So I bought the badge and I went over to, to your dad and, and, and he's like, he jumped straight out of the chair and he went straight over to get one as well. <laughs> Yes, he told me about that, unfortunately. <laughs> That's so cool. How does it feel to be a professional footballer, Clara? Um, honestly, it's an indescribable feeling. I mean, you dream of it, and then when you sign your first professional contract, it's all you've ever dreamt of and wished for and worked for. So it's only a stepping stone, but it's a good start. How old are you now, Clara? Um, 16. So you'd be the youngest player in the Glory Squad? Uh, yes, yes, I am. Yeah, and do they all, like, gather around you and, like, mother hens and encourage you along and make sure you're doing all the right things and saying all the right things and generally being mums to you? Um, yeah, often. Oh, I mean, I'm taken care of, definitely. People take me under their wing, which is obviously a nice thing and it's always good to learn from everyone because there's different experiences. People have been to the World Cup from the WSL, so learning from everyone from their experiences. Yeah, it's an opportunity that I take every day. Yeah, yep. So you certainly are surrounded by some stars there, but you're a young star in that camp now. Thank you. Hmm. Look, no, no pressure. I mean, Glory has um, a history of developing good young players. I remember a 16-year-old Sam Kerr playing for them. So, Absolutely. Yep. You know, not much to live up to. <laughs> yeah, no pressure on that. Yeah, so give us uh, some of the players that are in the squad there that um, maybe some of your role models. Oh, well, definitely Tash Rigby. I think she's an excellent captain. Every day she brings the intensity and joy to training. And then some of the World Cup legacy players, uh, Grace Jarley, um, Jess Coward, they bring that experience to the game in every session they do. Um, so whenever they have something to tell you on and off the pitch, I think you just soak it all in. Yeah, good. So you're 16, you're still at school. What does a typical week look like for Clara? <laughs> um, it's a lot of organisation, to be fair. Um, obviously, I'm very lucky to have my parents or my brother that drive me to training around 7am in the morning. Um, and then I have analysis, training and gym till, till about 11. Um, and lucky enough, uh, where we train is about uh, two kilometres from my school, John Curtin College. So I walk there, I get dropped off there and I do about half a day of, of school. And then when I get home, I just have to catch up on all my ATAR classes and, yeah, then go to bed and start again. Why do you only do half a day of school? 
uh, because obviously because the women's there, um, that's their job being a footballer. So the day goes from seven till about half the day. So I have no choice but to miss school. Wow. Okay. Hmm. Sounds like there's a lot of people getting up early and driving you to places. And do they always do that with a smile on their face? <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> I'm very lucky to have, um, yeah, my parents and my brother, um, they're always organised and drive me everywhere because obviously I can't drive yet. Um, so, yeah, they drive me everywhere at 7 a.m., 5 a.m., whatever time it is, um, with a smile on their face, with music on. So it's yeah. good. Yeah, you, you say miss school, but it's not miss school, is it? You, it's you've missed the classes, <laughs> but you still got to make up the, that class time somewhere. Yes, definitely. Um, like I said, as soon as I get home, if I don't have training, uh, I'll be at my study um, studying because I have to catch up. Then again, the teachers are quite supportive of it. There's um, obviously a lot of things online now, so that's good. Um, but yeah, I definitely have to catch up and stay on track. Um, my mom makes sure of that, so. I make sure of it too. Yeah, that, that's good. So how will club football fit into a professional footballer's life? Like when Perth Glory season finishes, how do you transition back to the club? Um, well, first of all, we have usually a few weeks off, two to three weeks off, um, just to recover and refresh and come back stronger. Um, but next year, I'm not sure where I will be or what I will be doing in the near future so it'll depend on that i'm not sure yet it's my first year as a professional footballer as well so haven't got the whole hang of it yet but <laughs> i'll have people around me to help me with that yeah it feels yeah. nice to be say you're to be saying you're a professional footballer doesn't it it sounds really nice for me to hear you say that <laughs> <laughs> so for you um game time obviously it's something you, you want to be playing in the league you want to play first team football who do you have to hobble in training to get to <laughs> um i mean no we're we're a team and we help each other out every training session obviously there is competition for spots but um i think as alex has already said it's healthy competition you need it that's how that's football yeah. you try and take other people's spot they try and take yours and at the end of the day, we're a team and we try and get the result and push each other towards the right way. Yeah, look, if you weren't pushing for a spot in that team, there'd be no pressure for that person to prove and be consistent in their mm. performance. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, so, and, you know, when you do get your opportunity, you're going to do that back to them and, and be consistent and get better every time. So that's that's how the system works. Yeah, mm. yeah exactly. That's how football works. And, and I love it. It's a great environment. It's, yeah, healthy competition, so it's good to be in. Yeah, yeah. you've got to be ready to... To grab a, an opportunity when it comes along. Yeah, mm. I think yeah, exactly. That, I think the Matildas showed us that this year in all of their tournaments that on and off the park they were all part. They were like one. Then yeah. when they gathered afterwards in the heart shape, and we could see on the television, and mm. they're standing around on the ground, and they were all, them. Yeah. yeah. But even in the games where she wasn't involved, Sam Kerr was was there supporting, driving, and hundred percent people. Yeah. So yeah. you know, even the, the biggest star who's would obviously want to be out there, was accepting she had a part to play within that team and it wasn't playing at that time. Yes, yeah. mm. that's right. Yeah, you just have to take the role that you're given in that moment and, and do it well to help the team out. So, yeah, that's a very good example. I remember her taking the bottles at half time. So. Yeah. 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 Mm. yeah. I, so I noticed that as well. It's excellent. So, Clara, um, how many hours do you think you're training in a week? Are you, like, five days a week training? Um, 
five or six, uh, depending on, you know, if we have a game away or home. Um, probably on the pitch, about 10 to 12 hours, but then you add that on to um, gym hours and analysis hours and recovery hours. Um, yeah, it quite adds up, to be fair. And what about the club helping to do things like this so I mean we have a connect um, because you're from my club so you know I thought it'd be great to have Clara have a chat Perth Glory but does someone from the club Perth Glory do they have a talk to the players and say there'll be some media opportunities coming up and these are the kind of things that we would expect this is what you need to wear um, don't say this do say that do you have that kind of preparation besides playing management yes 100% we have um so we have a media section where we can go to whenever we have player appearances for what to wear, what might be asked, um, a bit of training, media training um, of some sort. And, yeah, we're, we're quite prepared if we need the help, so that's great. Very good. Mm. So let's reflect on 2023 for Clara. What do you think has been the best things about 2023? Um, globally or personally? You can say both. can say both. Um, well, I think on a global scale, I was lucky enough to travel to Sydney with my parents to watch the World Cup semi-final and final. So I was in the stadium when Lavalar lifted the trophy and it was honestly unreal. The atmosphere was absolutely spectacular and I think the whole tournament had so many special moments for both women's football and sport in general and it'll have a long-lasting legacy, definitely. Yes. Yep. Very good. Yeah, well done. Yeah, yeah. Well yeah. I, I think that everybody that's come on the program today has pretty much had the Matildas and the World Cup in in their top couple to be recognised for. Yeah, yeah, and that's good too. Definitely a highlight. Yeah, absolutely. Clara, it's been absolutely fantastic having a chat to you. I think the thing we haven't had a personal. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. A personal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, I think. Obviously, signing my first professional contract with Perth Glory has to be up there yeah, yeah. and being a part of that professional environment and that team. Um, but my top highlight is probably winning the Young Player of the Year in WA. I was very grateful for that recognition and ended the season on the high, so that was a nice thing. Yeah, very nice. Well done and congratulations for all of that. Yeah. Yeah, at such a young age, it's very impressive, Clara. Yeah. Thank mm. you. You've been a great help as well with the club. Thank you. Appreciate that too. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I wish you safe travels over Christmas and a merry, enjoyable Christmas, yourself and your family. And I do hope that you continue playing for Mum FC for life. Okay, you can say yes to that right now. And... <laughs> <laughs> Always be a motor player. No matter what. <laughs> well, that that's right, Sean. Unless, of course, um, Clara is signed in a fully professional contract, goes and plays for the Matildas, and then plays international football, and we don't see her again. And comes back to mum. Comes yeah, back yeah, to mum and coaches. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah, it could be a role model for the young Claras coming up Absolutely. later. Absolutely. Clara, thank you so much for joining us. Really do appreciate it. Hi to your family and be safe over Christmas. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you play for the Glory soon. I hope. Thank you. Have a Merry Christmas as well. And, yeah, come down to Macedonia whenever you can. <laughs> I will with my badge for sure. See you, Clara. Bye. See you. Merry Bye. Christmas. Bye. 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 That was Clara Wawu from Mum FC and Perth Glory. How do I do, Sean? That, that, was, that was a pretty impressive surname. Yeah, you, you've got to sort of say it with a bit of a French accent. Do you? Wa, 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 wa. No, I don't, I don't have that. 
No, nope, don't have the linguistics for that. Just Clara. There's not too many Claras that will play for Perth Glory and Mum FC. There you That's go. We are going to go to our next guest, and but we're just going to play sponsorship announcement <clears throat> to get us through there. Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all gate and fence hardware components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman, welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 92586822 or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au. Station sponsor. Oswest Fencing and Rotine is a fourth generation family business. Bring us about your custom gate and fence projects. We can manufacture, install or automate your gates, offer electronic security or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Rotine. Call us on 9258-6822. Station sponsor. Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at www futsalwa.org.au Welcome back to the World Football Program. Penn, Pete, Sean and Dave in the studio. This is our last show for the year and our last guest. Congratulations, Matthew Stacey. You are the last program for 20... Sorry, the last guest on the last show for 2023. Hello. How, how are you guys? Merry Christmas to you all. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. Dave, that sounded like Elvis Presley. <laughs> I'll, I'll pick up my guitar just in a moment So so we've got Matthew Stacey on the line For those of you that don't know Matt He's the one beating the drum A big tall fella at the front of Macedonia Park Encouraging the crowds to yell and cheer for their team And then, actually, where do you sit when it comes to HBF? Where, where are you there for the Benz games, Matt? The entrance way, block a hundred and nine. <laughs> right, 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 right next to the VAR. Yeah. Ah, okay. Do you get to see it while the, while the referees are scrutinising it? Do you get to look over their shoulder? No, but I can see them looking at it and hear the talking. <laughs> okay. And you get on your and phone. And if, you, if, you, if you'd watched the last game, you would have seen the big banana. Yeah. Um, whenever VAR got on camera, there was a big banana. That was me. <laughs> and do you shout out whenever you're thinking you're wrong? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Well, it depends if the VAR is in our favour or against us. That, that's yeah, right, yeah. absolutely. It's always against us. It's always against us. <laughs> yeah. Always against us. So, so how do you think the, the glory going so far? Uh, you know, Where do you oh. think we're going to get to by the end of the season, Matt? Well, as long as we're better than last season, I'm happy. It's it's not going to be an easy fix, like I've said in the past, but we're on the right track. 
It's just going to take time. You're obviously talking about the guys because the women are doing pretty damn good. Yeah, I'm talking about the guys. The women are good. They had a small slip up, but that's that's all. Yeah. But I think when you compare the two sides, we, we've got a lesser side than we had last year, and we've got better results so far, and it looks like it is improving. So, you know, Stadge is a, is a good coach. Mm. Um, yeah. He hasn't had much to work with either. Yeah. Yeah, and he won't be able to have much to work with, unfortunately, in the transfer window as well. Yeah. Yes, won't go into that today. But it's all stuff out of his hands, and I know a lot of people are willing to badger the club about the situation, but it is not the club's fault. The club has nothing to do with it. Mm. The club get advised what the the league and Cordomensa do, and that's it. They're they're very much on the outer. They only get told what they have to be told, so they have nothing to do with the ownership issues because it's not in their hands. And had a good and had a good chat to the men's coach at the women's game at half time and he said it's the players are actually struggling with everything as well. Yeah. It's is eating into them all the decisions behind the scenes that they can't control. The uncertainty and the fact that people say the why are the women's team doing better? They have been known known to be more they're not as full-time as the men, yeah. a lot yeah. of them. So it's not going to bother them because that's what they've done in the past. The men, is, it's full-time for them. Well, yes. I, from personal experience, nothing to do with football, but working for a company that struggles to pay you does affect your performance. <laughs> yeah. And not my current employer, I need to stress, a long time ago. But Yeah, but do, do, <laughs> do they get paid? I mean, is Who? getting paid a problem at the moment? Yeah, no, they get paid. They're, all the players' payments are guaranteed by the league, so yeah. that's, that's yeah. not an issue. Yes. It, the issue is... Um, security of their jobs? Security, well, security yeah. tenure is one thing, but the, the doubt... And then you've got other clubs who are offering more and can offer more. The glory at the moment can't offer any more than they've got. Mm. Right for the picking, and players may choose to, to go on that basis. Yeah. So the chances are we could lose some in that period without replacing them. And I already mentioned, you know, McEnough is... Doesn't seem to be in the picture, but we don't know why, whether that's injury or whether that's um, he's not fitting in with the system. Yes. Well, I think we all generally agree that um, Alan Stadge is doing a pretty decent coaching job, regardless of the situation. Yeah. Um, because his ability to coach is pretty damn good. So that's maybe. And, and he has turned things around. Like they, other teams have been in the state we're in and they have changed it around in the second half of the season. So he has got ball. Yeah, yeah. Pete, are you able to tell us what the table's looking like at the moment? Yeah, sure. So uh, if you look right down the bottom, you'll see the glory. Um, <laughs> I was actually just thinking, you know, Sydney FC, Western United are just above us, one point above. They've actually lost one more game than the glory have. So glory's on one win, two draws, five losses at the moment, sitting last. Tenth uh, and eleventh, as as I said, uh, Sydney FC, Western United, both on two wins and six losses. Um, Western United also with a goal difference of minus twelve. Look, if we if we're looking for looking for some bright spark, we've only got a goal difference of minus four, which isn't bad when you're down the bottom. Positive, we can't drop yeah. down any lower. So that's you know. true. Yeah, and you know, hey, we can't get relegated. Yeah. What's uh, our what's our defensive stats like? Uh, Fifteen goals conceded. So in West, how many games? In eight. 
So Western United, Sydney FC, Newcastle, Melbourne City even have conceded more goals than us. Um, That's big as well, that they've conceded more goals. Yeah, unfortunately they've also won more games than a higher up the table, but yeah, nevertheless. So, I mean, you know, defensively you'd say for a team down the bottom, you that's not that bad. Um, and, and again, goal scoring, 11 goals scored. We're, we're doing better than both Sydney and Western United. Um, as they said earlier, you know, Sydney and Western United playing today and the, hopefully whoever loses that, you know, if all goes well for the glory, maybe they can both get a loss in that game and, you know, that'll let us climb up from there. Mm. Uh, and at the top end of the table, Wellington Phoenix, interestingly on top, which I know will upset some people that don't think that New Zealand team should be in the A-League. Yeah. Uh, and Auckland's joining us next season as well. I don't have a problem with um, New Zealand teams. Uh, and, you know, Victory and Western Sydney Wanderers second and third. So there's four games on today. Interestingly, so a lot of matches today. So, so Matt, we need to ask you, 2023, what do you think of it? What's been your highlight? Obviously, highlight are now the girls performing well this at the start of the season and obviously the Women's World Cup. Yeah. Yeah. Did you get to all the games that were here in Perth for the World Cup? Yes, I did. All the games in Perth mm-hmm. and got to watch the... The semi-final and the, or the two games, the last two games of the Matildas on a cruise ship that I never thought I'd do. <laughs> nice. As in, you didn't think that anyone else would be turning the TV on to watch the Matildas on a cruise ship, or you no, didn't think you'd be on the cruise ship? I, no, I, I knew I was going to be on the cruise ship, but at the time I didn't know there were going to be games on then, nice. or where, where or where we would have placed and timings. So to get to watch them. Oh, one on a pool deck and one in the theatre is <laughs> me- mem- memorable. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, um, did you want to give us a, a plug for the shed or any activities coming up for the Perth Glory supporters? Well, if anyone's um, wanting to know where they can watch or go to with the shed to the game today, it's at Yagan Square at the Shoe Bar is where the pre-games are. And I know they're going to be watching the Big Blue before the Melbourne Victory game. A lot of them are going to be going there early and watching that as they now have Paramount on at the Shoe Bar. So you can actually watch games there as well, especially away games. So we've got an away venue as well now. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I used to love the elephant and wheelbarrow. Uh, sorry, moon and six, but no, I'm getting it mixed up, whichever no. one it was. The one yeah. in Perth. Yeah. 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 Elephant that, that, yeah. wheelbarrow on the yeah. corner. And, and yeah. Badlands was good too, so another new bar now. There you go. Um, Matt, thanks for joining us. Appreciate your time during the year and keep up all the fantastic work. There's more. Go. And today is the last day if people are wanting to come on the shed tour of duty to obviously let us know or pay pay their deposit. But if they send an email in the next couple of days, if they're still wanting to go, I'm sure they'll be able to accommodate them. Pete, can you put something on our Facebook page about that? Link I'll it somehow. see what I can do. Good lad. <laughs> Good on you, Matt. And, yeah. uh, yep, if people want to catch a glimpse of Matt, look out for a banana. No, purple Santa today, Santa Glory today. Okay, cool. In the the hottest outfit I've got on one of the hottest nights. All right. Good on you, mate. You're not known for your sensibilities. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) You go and enjoy yourself, Matthew. And thanks so much for being a part of the show during the year. And we'll look forward to having a chat with you next year as well, okay? Okay, bye. Good on you. See See ya. Bye bye. And does it Auckland coming in mean we get a distance derby and a distance derby? <laughs>
<laughs> Derby Derby. Oh, oh my God. We can have one of each, keep everyone happy. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. what was Miranda saying? A double derby? Double, double derby. Double derby? Double yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Tomato, derby. tomato, whatever. Double diamond. <laughs> double Guys, uh, that's <laughs> us wrapped up for a year. Thank you so much for joining us in the studio. Thank you, everybody, for listening in. Thanks to all of our partners, Futsal WA, Gate and Fence Hardware, WA, Oswest Fencing and Rod Iron, Pete A-League Stats. Um, I'm disappointed you guys didn't wear anything Christmassy. That's, you know, Pete and I are making up for it. We've got yeah, our Christmas I, hats on. Nothing wrong with being a Grinch. <sighs> yeah. uh, Len and the Jazz Show is up next with Bags Groove. And everybody have a safe Christmas. Join us again in the new year, early in January. If you hop onto the Facebook page, the World Football Programme, we'll tell you when we're back. It's a, yep. it's a sneaky thing. We're going to keep a secret until we're back Until we decide year. ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Merry Christmas, everyone. See you later. Merry Christmas. Join us again next week at the same time for the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM.